I'm going to go in the intro now. All right. Hit it. Thanks for listening to episode 14 of Hip Squared. I'm a co-host, John Beecham. And I'm Troy Kramer. And this is American Fantastic's pop culture podcast, celebrating everything from the mainstream to the independent, weird, old, and local. Troy, how's it going? Uh, it's nice and relaxing. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I know you all missed us, but we just got back, or we, I, yeah. I, me, just got back from vacation. Mm-hmm. Had a nice, relaxing trip to Spain. Yeah. Got to see the sights in London. Wow, you were all over the place. I was all over the place. It was, it was great. Yeah. Just, how was La España? La España? Um, it was it was really cool. Uh, so I went to, since I totally forgot to mention this on our last podcast, mm-hmm. and I felt really bad after that, after the fact, I was like, oh, yeah, I should probably mention, like, I'm going to be gone <laughs> for the next two weeks, and you're not going to hear anything yeah. if anybody pays attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I went to go visit my fiance. She's been in Spain for the last eight months, and um. yeah, um, one, just wanted to go see her, so cool. flew over there. Uh, we stayed in Madrid for a couple days, and we flew to London mm-hmm. for about for the, the middle part of the week, and then came back to Madrid and just had a hung blast. out. Had a, had a blast. Did so, you have any good food? Um, in Madrid, yes, and then we had some delicious Indian food in London. That's cool. Yeah, I heard that um, London has like more like Indian and Pakistani restaurants like that's kind of like their national dish now <laughs> yep yep um was it I think chicken marsala is their national that's dish cool. and we had it and it was delicious yeah so wonderful. Well, I'm glad you had a great time I did um my ideas of Spain comes from like Ernest Hemingway's the sun also rises and like um things like the uh like the running of the bulls and things like that but oh, okay did so, you do anything like very Spanish so we didn't go to uh I'm going to get this wrong, and Abby's going to yell at me later. Toledo? Okay. Um, so it's like spelled like Toledo? It's it's spelled, and it's exactly the same as Toledo, yeah. except Spanish pronunciations. It's different. We went to Toledo, which is the home of Don Quixote. Okay. That's um, cool. Is there a big windmill there? Uh, well, it's it's the home of Don Quixote, okay. and that it's the home of the writer of Don Quixote. Okay. Cervantes? Cervantes, yeah. That's neat. So, um but we went there. It was just like it's a very small Spanish town. Mm-hmm. Uh, had some delicious tapas, which is a traditional like cool. way to serve Spanish food. But yeah, no, it was great. Uh, a lot of Spanish culture. Um, yeah, tapas, great wine, and great cheap wine is the important that's part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's important when you're on vacation and oh. trying to stretch that that vacay budget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> London does not help that. If you're trying to stretch your vacay budget, just, just don't go, yeah. go. Don't go to the big city. <laughs> yeah, London's like one of the most expensive cities in the world. I yeah, think. we found that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess you got to do a lot of cool stuff. Like that's like one of the cultural capitals of the world too. Yeah. So we got to, um, we got to see well, like the crown jewels. We went to the Tower of London to see the crown jewels. We went to that the sounds gl- dirty, right? <laughs> The crown jewels, shiny, not not the well. If your yeah. mind's in the gutter, don't think of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we went to Tower of London. We went to uh, we were gonna go to Prince Albert Hall, mm-hmm. which is like a big um, show space where a bunch of orchestras play. Uh, we went to the Globe Theater, so Shakespeare's original place. It was actually. Uh, we learned the Globe Theater was, like, burned and torn down many times. Oh, man. <laughs> it was only recently built within the last, like, the the current Globe Theater mm-hmm. is a replica that was only built in the last, like, 
15, 20 years. Yeah, I guess it's hard to keep something that's 400, 500 years old intact. Um, yeah. Especially like when your entire city's like a, like a, a medieval or like Renaissance era. Yeah. And when it, when it catches fire pretty frequently as yeah, well. I guess it's like, <laughs> because like when the Romans and the Greeks, they built everything out of stone. But in London, it was like they had just built everything out of wood and like drew it up as quick as they could. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I mentioned about the Globe, the Globe Theater that we were at is that it's the only building in London that can legally have a thatch roof. Oh, yeah. Um, to make it more to make authentic. it authentic and have that have that feel, so it has an actual thatch roof. And the reason that you can't do that is because it is incredibly it's flammable. That's <laughs> neat. Kelly and I have been watching a lot of The Crown lately, and like mo- most of that takes place in the London of the 1950s. Oh, okay. But I really love like how snooty and um, uppity like their accents are. Like, well, Mark. <laughs> oh yes, yes. The many different, the many different London. How dare you spurn me? <laughs> like, it's going to draw out the O's. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it won't let me bring the woman I love. <laughs> or damn you then. It's like, but um, yeah, it's a really good show. It's like very well performed, and I'm not really into like like British royal family that much, but it makes it kind of like neat way to learn about mm-hmm. history and. And uh, reminds me a little bit of like Game of Thrones, Cross of Downton Abbey. Right, and that would have been a really interesting period in time. So the other thing that we did was we went to see the Churchill War Rooms. Mm-hmm. So essentially, where Churchill, Churchill had his like generals' quarter during uh, World War Two. Yeah, um, so we went to see that, and that was talking. Like we also went to the Churchill War or Churchill Museum, just mm-hmm. talked about his whole history. And yeah, apparently he was quite a wit. Yeah. yeah. Uh. I, so I've heard that, and I've also heard that, like, most of the quotes you hear from mm-hmm. Churchill, you really shouldn't trust. Really? <laughs> like Apocrypha? Yeah. But I know he, he's a uh, a big writer, too, though. Like, like yes. um, Dan Carlin mentions him a lot on Hardcore History, and like, mm-hmm. he did, like, big histories of World War One and Two, and, like... Right, because he wrote, I mean, he wrote his own, like, essentially his autobiographies yeah, right. and the histories from his perspective, which is really cool because you don't get that from, like, any other world leader. Yeah. Yeah, um, he's really neat and kind of, like, one of the world's greatest curmudgeons. Mm-hmm. John Lithgow plays him on The Crown. Oh, really? And he has a lot of, like, cool scenes with him, and, like, I don't know, he's a, yeah, very strong-willed kind of guy, does but, he like, al- very intelligent, too. Does he always have a cigar in his mouth? Yeah, he has a cigar, and he, like... It's always wearing like some kind of like cool like old world like tuxedo looking suit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's always smoking a cigar and like drinking whiskey and stuff. Mm, yep, that sounds like Churchill. Well, what that that surprised me. I thought Churchill was a. Um, I don't think he was a teetotaler. No, but I thought he was a martini guy. Uh, maybe I don't know. He always or just not had... a martini. Um, no gin and vermouth. I guess so. It's kind of like in um, in Mad Men where they're always drinking. Like he just always like every scene that has Winston Churchill in it, he always has like a like a little uh, tumbler mm-hmm. with something brown in it. So. Okay, <laughs> I, guess, I guess I could believe that. Um, <laughs> no, I was. We're getting way off topic, but there was one thing when I was like looking into uh, something. It was Churchill's definition of a gin martini was, ah, mm-hmm. uh, what was it? It was. Uh, a glass of gin, and then you point it in the direction of the vermouth. Okay. <laughs> you don't actually put any of it in, just, yeah, just okay. straight gin. Just straight gin. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, no, it was a really great trip. Had a wonderful time. Got to see a bunch of sites. Uh, learned a bunch of history, which is a lot of fun. So, cool. yeah. Yes. So that was my, that was my trip. Um, and I did get to – so I got to see two shows. I got to see uh, Othello mm-hmm. at the Sam Wanamaker Theater. Sam Watermaker being the 
uh, person who was behind funding the rebuilding of the Globe Theater, okay. uh, an American actor, actually. Okay. So Has he been in anything? Like, I didn't, I didn't recognize him, you think? Oh, probably, um, okay. but old. Okay. So he, so he, was, he was in uh, London back in, like, I think it's a late 50s. Okay. Um, and at that time, he had he had a lot of money, and he was the one that was funding it. So maybe he's in some really old thing. I don't I don't know. I didn't do enough research on That's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he uh, so I was in the Sam Watermaker Theater, which is their indoor theater in London. Mm-hmm. I got to see Othello, uh, a great Shakespearean classic with Iago and mm-hmm. Desdemona. Good show. Uh, highly recommend it. And then, um, and I'll, I'm sure I'll talk about that later on Hip mm-hmm. Squared at some point, but. Uh, I also got to see Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, uh, a play based on a book, that came, and the play came out a few years ago. Yeah. Really good play. Got a bunch of critical acclaim. Uh, there are advertisements all over mm-hmm. for it in London, um, but great play. But neither of those we're going to talk about this week because um, last time we were talking about essentially my movie posters mm-hmm. in my apartment, and that leads us to Shawshank Redemption, and I realized we spent the first, like, Eight okay. minutes talking about other <laughs> stuff, so we'll get through this real quick. But uh, Shawshank Redemption is a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been it's sort of been defined as like a classic, go- classic movie. It's uh, yeah, it's in a lot of people's top movie of all time, right? Like, I think that is like the new Citizen Kane kind of like right. If you like think like anything past like the nineteen nineties, that's usually mm-hmm. and it's actually so. This is all true, mm-hmm. and I'll get to that, but it's interesting how it became that famous. Yeah. But uh, the story of itself is um, this guy, Andy Dupree, who was charged for murdering his wife and is mm-hmm. sent to prison. Yes. Uh, it's the very beginning of the bo- uh, movie. Uh, it's based off the Stephen King novel mm-hmm. with the same name. Yeah. It's a novella called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Okay. And it's in a collection called Different Seasons, which also has At Pupil and other, I think at least one other movie, uh, book that got turned into a Stephen King movie. Hmm. But yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, but it follows, so this guy, he goes into prison, and spoilers here, I guess, if you yeah. haven't seen it, it's been out for like 20 years. Decades, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, 20 years. Um, 22. And... This guy goes to prison, and it's his experience in prison and his journey and uh, striving for hope, mm-hmm. I think is a good way to put it. Uh, while he's in prison, he quickly meets a friend uh, by the name of Red, played by Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and we can, Andy's played by Tim Robbins. And Andy, yes, yeah. Andy's played by Tim Robbins. Thank you. See, that's why I need my notes in front of me. <laughs> um, but uh, fun fact on Morgan Freeman... Um, so you read the novella. Yeah. Who is Red supposed to be? Well, he's supposed to be this kind of, like, um, Irish guy. That's yeah. why his name is Red. He has red hair. He kind of reminds me of, uh, like, McMurphy from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He's just got, like, that, like, sort of... Generic. Cin- yeah, like, cynical, like, tough guy personality mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not what Morgan Freeman looks like, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> so they... They kind of make that a joke in the movie. They do. They say it's because of his red hair or something like that. No, yeah, because, like, or they, ask, Irish, they yeah. ask him, why, so why do they call you red? And he looks and he's like, probably because I'm Irish or yeah. something something like that. <laughs> I have to look at the quote. It's, uh, but it's those human interactions, I think, mm-hmm. that may, that bring a lot of the movie and make it that much more real um well it's kind of like he strives to find a way to may have like a meaning in his life when mm -hmm. he's in prison 
so he kind of like um well he like takes projects under his wing like doesn't right. he like like put a lot of time in the library mm-hmm. and he like does the like the warden's taxes and stuff yeah so he <laughs> he t- he ends up like finding this goal of trying to work on the library and building mm-hmm. all building um make like doing something for himself besides just sitting in prison essentially yeah. And get, live, get busy living or get busy dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's the there's a good scene in the movie between uh, Andy and Red where mm-hmm. uh, Andy's trying to tell him, like, no, I need to hold on to something. I need to hold on to hope. And Red's says, like, that's that's not going to get you anywhere, man. Mm-hmm. You're you're going to get just beaten down by this. Yeah. Um, so it goes with the whole movie. Um, another really good reason that, or really big reason that I like this movie is because it tells a lot of different small stories mm-hmm. while sticking with a uh, one long one so it's easy to pick up it's easy to pick up at like any point and it's yeah. easy to stay involved in yeah there's a lot of little almost kind of like mini episodes within the movie where it'll show like a like a little yeah like a side plot from like beginning to end and mm-hmm. does a lot of different like focuses on different characters at different points too and things like right that. brooks is a great example because yeah. brooks is the librarian who's this guy that's been in prison for 50 he's years the guy that takes care of the mice too yeah he's <laughs> the guy that takes care of the mice uh he's been in prison for 50 years and then he uh, essentially gets paroled uh and he goes out into the world and realizes he can't really handle the real world mm-hmm. at this pace he's been he's been in prison for 50 years and he ends up committing suicide and it's like it's a really tragic part of the movie yeah. with a great soundtrack on the back uh the backside by the way mm-hmm. um but it like it's those kind of small stories that tie mm-hmm. the movie together and give it give it a cohesive feel yeah um the and the actor that played brooks whose name i totally can't remember is mm-hmm. one of uh is fun fact this is for your trivia lesson okay. is one of only 20 actors to have gotten the egot Oh, neat. Yeah. I didn't realize he got an EGOT. Mm-hmm. So he must have been a big deal back in the day. Yes. Well, this was like his last like big movie that he mm-hmm. was in. But yeah, it was like back in the 20s he was big. Wow. Yeah. So. That's neat. <laughs> so, fun fact for you. How, how did it um, get famous? You said there was a weird way that it got to be so well known. Yeah. So, um, when it, so it's a really famous movie, right? So, mm-hmm. m- like, how well do you think it did in the box office? Um... I don't remember it being that big. No, it bombed. No, it did, did horrible. Really? <laughs> didn't even make back um, what they had spent on it. Okay. Uh, in the initial box office release. Mm-hmm. Um, a few months later, when the uh, Tonys were coming, or not the Tonys, the Academy Awards yeah. were coming around, um, they decided, hey, this 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 might have some like some good content to it. Mm-hmm. So they did a re-release of it. Um, made another nine million dollars, like just made back its money. Yeah. Um, it was nominated for, I believe, oh, it was either three or seven. Uh, I'm gonna like go with adapted screenplay and yeah, stuff like that. yeah. It was nominated for, I think, seven. I think seven Academy Awards. I'd have yeah. to check. Uh, guess how many it won? Zero. Zero. <laughs> because what else came out that year? Uh, was it '95? Yep. Was that was that Forrest Gump? Mm-hmm. It was, okay. And yeah. uh, I don't know what else. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Okay. Yeah, it was a tough year. Yeah, I guess uh, so. <laughs> so um, didn't so didn't win any of those. Um, at that point in a movie's career, most of the time it just dies. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no there's nowhere else it really goes. So what happens when a movie dies? Uh, goes to video and TV, I guess. Goes to cable TV. <laughs> yeah. TNT picked this movie up, and because it had gotten a bunch of Academy nominations, mm-hmm. it had been, like, pretty big. It had been advertised, like, yeah. really well. Mm-hmm. Um, they played it, and it was super cheap mm-hmm. because they weren't able to sell that many tickets. 
but because it was so well known, they were able to sell premium ad space. Oh, cool. So they played it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and fun fact, if you play a movie a bunch of times in front of people, they yeah, start to like it. People still like it. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. So it, it ended up picking up steam there in and of itself. It is a good movie. Yeah. Um, and I guess like you said, it adapts well to TV because it has so many like smaller stories inside of it. So if you picked it up halfway through, you could kind of like get something out of it still. Exactly. Um, and the other thing was is that when it was initially released, it got a really bad review from like the LA Times, I mm-hmm. think. Um, so that pushed a lot of initial viewers away. Well, like once it's releasing yeah. on this, people can actually see it without having a initial interpretation mm-hmm. that might sour their opinion towards it. That's neat. Yeah. So from there, it became really like just really big. I think it got up to uh, it broke the IMDb spot for number one, beating mm-hmm. God the Godfather out in 2008. Oh. Cool. Yeah, so it is the number one movie on IMDb. Yeah, uh, and that's actually the way that I found it. Like, found it initially. Really? <laughs> I mean, is is because it's like at one point I was uh, when I was in high school, I was like, oh man, what am I gonna do do tonight? I was like, oh, I'll watch one of the top one hundred or yeah. top one of the mm-hmm. movies on IMDb. Um, and yeah, so that's where I watched it. It's a great movie. Highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, sorry, we actually didn't spoil much sorry, from too it. Too much. Yeah, <laughs> it's got um. Yeah, Morgan Freeman is in it. Tim mm-hmm. Robbins is in it. Um, yeah, it's just really, really well done. It's kind of got that cool, like, period mm-hmm. feel to it. And, um, yeah, and, like, and since it is ad- adapted from a Stevie King book, it has, like, those really heartfelt kind of uh, moments to it. And it's it's a neat kind of Stephen King story, too, because there's not really anything supernatural about it at all. No. And, um and the novella that it's based on is called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, and it's all told from Red's perspective. Okay. But it's really good, too, and it's just a little over 100 pages. So if you want something um, that's short but it's still, like, a really good read, uh, it's it's really neat. And there's enough detail in it um, that you get more out of it if you've already, even if you've already seen the movie. Yeah. So it's it's really well done. Um, oh, well, one, one more thing. Mm-hmm. Um uh, who were we just talking about? Stephen King said yeah. it was his favorite interpretation of one of his books. Yeah, so, I could see that. Fun fact. I could definitely see that. Well, speaking of books, um, I'm going to talk about a series of books that I read all the time when I was a kid. Aww. So these are uh, the Dragonlance novels. Okay. And uh, Dragonlance is a Dungeons & Dragons property from uh, the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like the first... A universe created for Dungeons and Dragons, kind of from scratch, as its own setting. Okay. So it's kind of like um, it's kind of like a pulp fiction version of Lord of the Rings, almost. Okay. Like it's very much in that realm of like seventies and eighties, kind of like it's like a little bit, I don't want to say like almost cheesy kind of version of okay. fantasy. Like it's not like a Game of Thrones where it's just like really brutal, stark, like mm-hmm. cold. I don't want to say like quote-unquote reality but um it's like he-man cartoons yeah kind of it's a little <laughs> bit more mature than in cartoons it's kind of like um i don't know like 70s 80s era like uh like action movies kind of feel to oh, okay. it like a conan the barbarian sort yeah, of yeah okay but there's like a little bit of like um sex and romance and violence and like adventure um and it's it's just a really um well-told story the first there's two trilogies that are um, based on it that are really, really neat. All right. And um, the cool way that it was created, it was kind of like pitched to Dungeons & Dragons. So like in the 80s, they are trying to, I guess, kind of like expand 
and they wanted new universes to be able to uh, create and set games in. So these two people um, pitched Dragonlance to Dungeons and Dragons, and then they created like gaming modules, which are like little mm-hmm. campaigns you can basically play, like play out the um, the story of the game. Oh, okay. And then the way, like part of the way they made the uh, story that the books told is that they played Dungeons and Dragons together. And, like, how it played out in their game sessions was, like, a lot of what um, actually played out in the stories, too. Like, there's this one uh, scene where they're in... So it's, like, a group of adventurers, and it's kind of got that sort of Lord of the Rings um, great evil that's trying to take over the world and, like, these small group of heroes that are um, going to fight against that evil. Okay. And it's got that, like, yeah, that sort of mythic quest quality to it. And, like, where it takes... Like, when it takes place is, like, sort of a after this horrible apocalypse. Okay. So there was this uh, great kingdom of Istar, which was, like, they also, they saw themselves as, like, very good and pure and, like, kind of, like, a, almost like a theocratic, like, society, like, ruled by priests. Okay. King priests. And the gods um, smited them, basically. <laughs> so they sent, they called it a flaming mountain. I guess you kind of can read into it that it was, like, an asteroid. Okay. But the people take it as, like, this horrible omen that uh, crushes... Uh, the kingdom of Istar and turns it into like a blood sea. Oh, and, okay. and so the rest of the world, and like at the same time, all the gods basically like disappear from the world, and like magic disappears from the world. Hmm. And so for a few hundred years, it's almost like a fantasy, like a post-apocalyptic sort of feel to it. Okay. And then the heroes are kind of like they're born into this world where it's a fantasy world, but it's a fantasy world where things aren't. It's kind of like things are falling apart a little bit or like things, things aren't changed. quite right. Exactly. And so what these group of friends do is that they band together. Um, they've just reunited after five years of looking for proof of the old gods like, okay. that they're still around. And they meet uh, this this couple that's um, their barbarians named Riverwind and Goldmoon. <laughs> and they're on the run from their tribe because they have this sort of like Romeo and Juliet, like forbidden oh, love okay. thing going on. But instead of killing themselves, they run away. <laughs> which you know turns, much more logical turns out, turns out better for them in the, in the <laughs> long run and um they find a staff that can like heal people basically okay Goldman does and so that like leads them on a journey to like search for more like proof of the gods and like artifacts like that well i actually think that's what they're sent that's what river that's what river has to find to like win Goldman's hand in marriage which is supposed to be like this impossible mm. quest but it launches them on this um kind of like gl- like this whole crusade to to save the world from this evil that's force is trying to take over whoa yeah sounds very sounds sounds very actiony yeah it is really neat and um i don't don't know what i think a part of it is just that it's got that sort of like action adventure appeal to it Mm -hmm. and it's written where like adults or kids can enjoy it Mm -hmm. and um the characters are like really neat and uh kind of like they're like different shades of gray like they're not purely good Okay. Like even the main character is very flawed because he's a he's a half elf and he's like torn between these two loves. One's a human and one's an elf. <laughs> and his name okay. is Tanis Half Elven, and he's kind of like he's the protagonist, and he like sort of holds the group together. Mm-hmm. But he's very much like he often like loses confidence in himself, or he's not very sure that he um, can sort of like hold it together and he wants to kind of protect his friends but at the same time he doesn't always feel capable okay and it's neat like having a because like when you read a lord of the rings it's like it seems like gandalf and aragorn 
mm-hmm. are always almost like these perfect people. Yeah. Whereas in uh, Dragonlance, it's kind of like it's a little bit further away from that because all the characters are very flawed and they all have their strengths and weaknesses, which mm-hmm. is really neat. Well, I think the reason that like Gandalf, Aragorn are like so perfect in uh, in those is because in Lord of the Rings is because it's a new world and they were trying to get people into it mm-hmm. so they needed like two steady they needed steady figures to work with but now that like once you get into Dragonlance like alright now we can start to explore the characters more yeah. and have like have some interesting characters and I would say that Dragonlance and Dungeons and Dragons in general owe a really great deal to Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. because um so it seems like with Lord of the Rings, what Tolkien did is he like he kind of created these like uh, new stories, but based on like old legends and folklore from like Norse mythology and like mm-hmm. Celtic and kind of like um, like that's a lot of what it reminds me of is like you imagine like the stories that pagans and like Great Britain in like the 600 AD would be telling each other. Oh, okay. And he's like these. basically writing like a new version of those stories, but like writing it as literature. Yeah. But um, what wow. Dragonlance does, it kind of takes all that fantasy, that world of fantasy and dragons and like that mythical setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of imagine like it basically reimagines a new version of that. Okay. And so I think it kind of those that genre sort of like owes its um. Like a lot of the trappings on Tolkien, and kind of like ex- imagines mm-hmm. like and expands on it from that. It's almost like when you read book, like uh, when you watch old West movies. Uh huh. It's sort of like there's this imaginary mythical version of the old West that you can do. Mm-hmm. Like you can completely, you can keep doing like different different themes, but it's like it's all going back to that to yeah. that center theme. And I think that's the case with pretty much all like fantasy at this point is that mm-hmm. it's all based from Tolkien fantasy. And, and the problem being, anytime you try and pull away from that, yeah. anytime you go, it's like, no, I want to do something different. And you're like, all right, I'll make this new race, and they're mm-hmm. they're like this, and they're they're really big, and 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 then people look at it and go, it's like, oh, so they're like they're like ogres from yeah. like token <laughs> books. It's like, no, I'm trying to make something new. <laughs> yeah, there's like definitely that tendency to like have to fight from being um, derivative. Mm-hmm. And I think um, what Dragonlance does is it, like, takes a lot of, like, the relationships between the characters, and there's a lot of, like, um, more humor. Kind of, I guess Lord of the Rings had its own humor, too, but yeah. um, Dragonlance has its kind of, like, humor and, like, um, characters that are more, like, comedic relief, but it does it in a way where you never really, like, lose track of the story and, like, where it's going. Like, um... I kind of compare it to, like, Star Wars, where there's, like, that level of, like, cheesy kind of quality, but then at the core, it's, like, how these characters are, like, fighting for what they believe in in this world. Okay. It also sounds like this is a, you know, it's a story based on people, and it's Mm -hmm. a story as opposed to, like, I I know I keep going back to this, and it's driving me crazy as well. It gets, like, based different from Lord of the Rings, where Mm -hmm. he was trying to look at a world. Yeah, he was trying to build this world like that people had never seen before. Where the where uh, Dragonlance is completely different in that mm-hmm. it's trying to tell like a good quality story and give you give you these characters and give you these like make you feel emotions. Yeah, Lord of the Rings didn't really do that. <laughs> yeah, and like I'd say, um, Dragonlance is just like a little bit easier of a read because it's not trying to be quite as literary. Like I right. think it's more like trying to be like Pulp Fiction, where it's like more about the entertainment um, value of it. But mm-hmm. the other cool thing about Dragonlance is, like, not only was it the series of books, it also got adapted into everything. Right. So there was, like, way... So the core trilogies of the Chronicles and the Legends trilogies, I'd say those are both, like, high-caliber 
fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go at, and those are both written by uh, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, and those two trilogies together kind of tell one big long story. Okay. So that's kind of like the core, and that's what I can kind of recommend um, without any kind of hesitation. And then there's a bunch of other novels that are based on the same world. Okay, so it's like branches. Kind of like, yeah, it's almost like um, uh, like a version of like Marvel or DC, but it's all like fantasy novels. Okay. So it's like different authors, but it's all in the same world. And they, there's like, they all kind of like tell one huge longer story. Mm-hmm. And then it got adapted into um, video games. And um, okay. there was like an animated movie that came out oh, no. that's really bad. <laughs> it had like Kiefer Sutherland as one of the voices in um. <laughs> So you can get that. That one's like it's bad, but in kind of like a good way. Uh-huh. So if you're a big Dragonlance fan, I kind of recommend checking it out. But it's not <laughs> the highest quality. Um, one last thing I got really into involved in Dragonlance is uh there was a series of role playing games that came out of computer in the early '90s. Okay. Called the Gold Box games, and there are uh, three that were based on Dragonlance, and it's basically like if you took the tabletop D and D experience. And then you turn, you basically computerize that. So okay. it's like all the same rules, uh, all the same like classes and mm-hmm. spells, but it's uh, turned into a video game instead of like. Okay. So it's definitely more like um, like on rails. Right. Not really necessarily on rails. It's still very like open world. You can go wherever you want and explore a lot, but it's not. You're not gonna have that like where the characters can just do anything that they want to do. Well, this is where we get into the argument of yeah. like video games versus tabletop games and the advantages and disadvantages exactly. of it, which we could probably spend a but whole episode or two on. But there was some really <laughs> cool things about it because it did tell its own longer story, and you could import characters from one game to the next, hmm. which I thought was really awesome. So if you play yeah. it through the first game, and you would basically like the second game would be you would start at a certain level, mm-hmm. but if you had characters from the previous games, you could import them, so you could have the same part. Hmm. through all three so you could take them from being like complete noobs to like basically like demigods by the time you got to the third game where they're just like super powerful and uh and that's neat to see so um yeah so if you guys want kind of like a like a hit of like really good high quality like fantasy and like a new universe to sink your teeth into uh definitely recommend dragonlance um, you can find those computer games on GOG. I don't okay. know if it's on Steam or not, but um, and there's like a ton of those that, in that same style that mm-hmm. are also in like the Forgotten Realms universe where like Baldur's Gate was set in. Oh, okay, yeah. But um, it is just and it's just a really good fantasy universe to kind of get yourself lost in if if you're looking for something new to get into. Like if you've gone through your Game of Thrones and your Lord of mm-hmm. the Rings and you're looking something. It's kind of in that vein, but a little less um, serious, more serious. action. Yeah, then uh, I definitely recommend that. Or like if you know any younger readers that like are really into fantasy, um, I read these books when I was like this is basically like my Harry Potter. So okay. like around like eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, I was devouring these. That's awesome. So yes. Wow. Well, uh, I did want to thank you guys uh, for listening. Um, our intro and outro music is by danosongs.com. Thanks, Dano. That's a great place to get some royalty-free music for your project if you need one. Um, I also uh, encourage you guys to check out American Fantastic on Patreon. It's the best way to support the show. And you can um, keep your earbuds warm and cozy with our love and gratitude. Like the sign says, anything helps. Uh, and you can also check out AmericanFantastic.com for more audio content. we got all our episodes of Hip Squared. We got um, all the episodes of the American Fantastic Radio Hour. You can also tr- find all kinds of cool writing and photos and art. Uh, the spring update is coming out real soon. <gasps> yeah. So uh, <laughs> you guys will be able to check that out. Um, 
I have the second part of my story, uh, that Stone Creek Beacon to Crack is going to be coming out, um, and a bunch of other cool art and photos and things like that. Um, I'm also going to be at the Tim Faulkner Gallery in Louisville, Kentucky in the night of April 28th. It's the Kentucky Anna Poetry Festival. Oh, okay. So my friend Selena is running that. Um, if you guys want to check that out, it's that evening. Um, tons of cool poets from all around the region. And we're all going to be there reading and performing there for you. What evening was that again? It's a Friday, April 28th. Friday, April 28th. I don't know the specific time. I imagine it's some like, or evening-ish, like around 6, 7, 8 o'clock. Okay. Uh, but you can find that event on Facebook, uh, Kentucky Anna Poetry Festival. Okay. So, uh, And I'll, I'll be posting that on Facebook, too. So if you guys follow me, it's John Beecham, and um, we'll put something out on American Fantastic's Facebook page as it gets closer. There we go. And I did want to also thank... Uh, Mayplex Monk for running the boards. Thanks, Mayplex. Uh, you guys can check out more of his stuff at mayplexmonk.com. Um, you can also find the creator community on Facebook. And coming out pretty soon, we got a crossover episode between Hip Squared and Maple's podcast, uh, Philosophical Grandeur. Ooh. So we will uh, definitely keep you guys uh, in tune for when that comes out. Um, Troy, is there anything else you'd like to say? Nah, man, I'm good. All right. Well, we'll catch you guys next time for another episode of Hip Squared. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.